Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Physical Effects Podcast. Are you an Einstein fan or a Newton fan? Do you enjoy watching sci-fi movies? Or do you just hate physics? Everyone who said yes must listen to our podcast. Listen to our extraordinary presenters and think physics. First, we have a sales pitch from the 188 Insights. Don't miss their useful information about inflationary cosmology and the Big Bang. Are you tired of living a boring, static conception of the universe with nothing ever moving or going anywhere and all past and future galaxies, events, people, things, molecules, and atoms collapsing into one tyrannically unchanging, existentially pointless void? Feel like you're walking blind through a stifling cauldron of deep Nietzschean despair? Well then, have we got the thing for you! Hi, we're As Seen on PBS coming to you with 188 Inflate. Today we're going to be showing you a revolutionary new concept that will absolutely change your life. We call this concept inflationary cosmology, and it's a huge step up from the boring and antiquated idea that the universe is static and unchanging. This amazing concept tells us that, in reality, everything in the universe is getting further and further away from everything else at an ever-increasing rate. You might ask, well, how could we possibly know this? Which, may I add, is a fantastic question. Edwin Hubble is a name that might be somewhat familiar. The Hubble Space Telescope produced many of the space images we know and love. But to those of you who have no clue who he was, please allow us to elaborate. Edwin Hubble was an American astronomer who in 1929 made a shocking discovery that would forever revolutionize those dated passe understandings of our universe. He spent a lot of time studying how objects in the universe move and came to the unexpected conclusion that almost everything in the universe that isn't a part of our galaxy is actually moving away from us. He was able to determine this by looking at the light emitted from an object. The faster an object is moving away from us, the more red the light it emits should be, due to something called the Doppler effect, which unfortunately is not included in this starter kit. What's more, he saw that the further away something was, the redder the light was, and, therefore, the faster away from us it was moving. He even quantified a constant for this information. If the separation of two objects increases by one million light years, they will be moving away from each other 160 kilometers per second faster. Although we now know that this constant is a very different number from the one Hubble measured, the real value is closer to 22.5 kilometers per second per million light years of separation, Hubble provided a foundation that scientists are still refining to this day. Hubble reasoned that perhaps, if everything in the universe is getting further away from everything else, that this expansion must have started from somewhere, and future scientists refine this concept further to an idea that is now widely accepted. Now, you may have heard of a little thing called the Big Bang, but have you ever stopped to consider what that actually means, or how we know when it happened? A lot of people think that the Big Bang was a huge explosion, and with a name like that, can you blame them? But really... When we use the term Big Bang, what we're actually describing is the extremely quick expansion of the fabric of the universe and all of the matter and energy it contains, from an extremely hot and dense point that we call a singularity to the vast expanses of space and distance that we observe today. What many people don't realize is that the concept of the Big Bang is a relatively new one. Even Einstein was a proponent of a static universe for a very long time. Now, you might be asking, does it really matter whether or not the universe is expanding? The answer is a resounding yes. Here are just some of the many ways your life will be improved with 1888 Inflate. Are you or a loved one experiencing prolonged feelings of existential dread? 
Yale and Tufts philosophers Joshua Noeb, Ken Olam, and Alexander Vilenkin estimate that the reality of cosmic expansion confirms our existence as but a subatomic speck in the endless cosmic ocean. Ditch that Copernican worldview and put that angst into perspective. Feeling alone? Frown no longer. If the universe began as a singularity, then there were infinitely many Earth-like planets to start with, and over the next 300 million years, each left the nest and made a life for itself. As Vilenkin et al. write, a certain portion of planets contain mammals, a certain smaller portion contain humans, and a still smaller portion, almost unfathomably small but still non-zero, contain a person exactly like you. Stewing on the past? Wondering whether you could have been wildly successful in a long-lost life? 1888 Inflate and the witcheries of quantum mechanics lead scientists and philosophers to suspect that there are multiple histories for any one point in space-time, so your ruminative fantasies could be true. If you're uncomfortable with the quantum ambiguities of the world, unsure of your direction in life, or just need reassurance that someone, somewhere, at some unfathomably distant and rapidly expanding point, is procrastinating the important things just as much as you are, then don't wait! Call 1-888-INFLATE today and receive a free informational packet, promotional Hubble Space Telescope images and pictures. And for free, we'll throw in our brand new tool for estimating to a fraction of a fraction of 2 times 10 to the negative 8th power percent chance that a given point in the universe contains your quantum twin. Once again, that's 1-888-INFLATE. 1-888-463-5283. Don't delay. Call today. That was fantastic. I am surely going to call them after this podcast is over. But for now, let's move on to Jeopardy. Ready to challenge yourselves to some quantum mechanics problems? Well, here we go. Welcome back to Jeopardy. Our contestants, Eva and Phoebe, have answered all the questions from our Lit Hum, Econ, and Politics categories. Only one category remains, quantum physics. Now, Phoebe, take your pick. Physics for 100. Let's start off easy. All right, for physics 100, the definition of a particle. Ooh, what is a small object that occupies a certain location? Correct. Your turn, Eva, for physics 200, the definition of an interference pattern. What is generated when two waves cross with each other and their peaks and troughs overlap? That's right. Now Phoebe and Eva are tied. It all comes down to final jeopardy. <laughs> question is, how many worlds are there? Two One? million. Wait, what? what? Looks like it's a contested final Jeopardy. Make your cases. Okay, let's do this. Now, Ben, are you familiar with the double slit experiment? Of course. It's the experiment where physicists fired a bunch of electrons through two slits and looked at where they landed on a board. When they looked at the board, each electron was in a fixed position, like a particle, as Phoebe defined earlier but their overall composition on the landing screen resembled the interference pattern that Eva described. So the physicists discovered that electrons can behave like both a particle and a wave. Wait, 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 what is this wave? A wave of electricity, of water? No, it's a wave of probability. Where the probability is large, you're more likely to find the electron and there's no chance you'll find it where the probability is zero. There's actually a mathematical formula for this wave written by physicist Erwin Schrodinger. Now here's the twist. If the electron is behaving like a wave when it enters the slits, why does it continue behaving that way when it lands? Okay, but we only see it in one place, so it has to not behave like that. 
Well, not all physicists think the wave just goes away. In fact, many physicists propose the many worlds interpretation. Wait, bonus question. The person who first proposed the many worlds interpretation. Who is Hugh Everett? Nice, now tell us about him. Well, in 1956, he proposed the many worlds interpretation in a thesis. To him, the wave of probability for the electron never goes away. We may see the electron land in one place, but we are just see, we're just seeing one of the many parallel realities. In every alternative uh, reality, the electron lands in a different place. So basically, the electron lands on all the possible locations on the probability wave, just in different worlds. Okay, that sounds totally made up. Hey, I wasn't the one who made it up. Remember Erwin Schrodinger? He actually published a paper in 1952 supporting the idea that the probabilities never go away. His equation itself suggests all these possible locations for the electron continue to exist. You know what this reminds me of? Black Panther, where ancestors live in parallel with their children, completely unaware of each other. On that note, tonight's episode is proudly sponsored by Marvel, every physicist's favorite studio. Anyway, Back to our contentious final Jeopardy. Phoebe, you've been awfully quiet. I'm quite suspicious of this interpretation. Ben, have you heard of the conservation of energy? What is a fundamental law of physics that states energy cannot be created or destroyed? Right, but if we fire one electron to two slits and it magically becomes many electrons in many worlds, aren't we creating more energy? That can't happen. That is a very interesting counterargument. There are many possible responses though, one of which is that the other world always existed. Therefore, new, no new world was ever created or destroyed. Okay, but if all of these worlds have always existed, why haven't we detected them? After all, a good scientific theory has to be testable. Well, there was a study published in 2011 where researchers tried to detect collisions between different worlds using seven years of temperature data. Did they find anything? Well, no, but that doesn't mean that these collisions don't exist. Their equipment just wasn't precise enough to discover these collisions. Anyways, Phoebe, is there any scientific proof that we only exist in one world? Well, now that you mention it, I guess not. Since there's no way yet to test whether there are more than one world, there's no way to falsify that hypothesis either. That's time. Well, Phoebe had some great objections, but this one goes to Eva. You made some very convincing explanations, and frankly, your theory sounds so cool. Well, congrats, Eva. Don't worry, Phoebe, you probably won in another world. And that's a wrap. To our viewers, remember to check out our YouTube channel for highlights of tonight's dramatic episode. You can also let us know who you support by tweeting hashtag ManyWorldsJeopardy. But for now, good night. Let's give a round of applause to both challengers. I hope we can find actual evidence of the existence of multiple universes one day. Now, it's time for the Time Warp podcast. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. The Time Warp podcast with Daniel and Kevin. Welcome to the Time Warp. I'm Kevin and with me as always is Daniel. Stay tuned because today we're going to use our Time Warp's very own time machine to travel back in time and meet one of the greatest scientific minds ever. Oh, who are we going to meet? Could you give me a hint? I personally think he has the most stylish hair of the previous century. Got it. It's Einstein. Yep. Now let's hop into the time machine and go meet the genius. Dr. Einstein, this might be unbelievable, but we are time travelers from the year 2021. Time travelers? 
Wait, tell me, what does physics look like in the future? Currently, we have the standard model, a framework that reduces the universe down to a handful of elementary particles. Their interactions are defined by quantum mechanics, and it beautifully explains the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces. However, gravity still can't be explained by the standard model. When we combine quantum mechanics and general relativity, everything breaks down. The problem is, the uncertainty principle of quantum mechanics gives a chaotic and random picture of space-time. Hmm, I see. At tiny distances, the quantum effects become considerable and disrupt the smoothness of space-time as described by my theory. We can't have both at the same time. Exactly, and a potential candidate that can give a quantum description of gravity is string theory. String theory? Let me guess, you use strings instead of particles. Wow, you really are a genius. Yes, instead of point-like particles, string theory posits that all elementary particles are made of one-dimensional strings of energy. Dr. Einstein, you played the violin, similarly to the way that the vibration of your violin strings determine notes. In string theory, the vibrations of tiny energy strings produce different elementary particles. Now, by replacing point-like particles with one-dimensional strings of finite distance, string theory puts a limit on the smallest distance possible. According to Green, Morrison, and Puchinsky in their paper String Theory, this limit smears out the quantum effect and creates a smooth picture of space-time again. The math must be so elegant. Let me see if I can better understand this theory for myself. So do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Go ahead, Dr. Einstein. So what are these strings? If their mathematics requires more than three dimensions, do they exist in the additional ones? Yes, string theory holds that the strings interact with the dimensions other than the observable three. The mathematics require that there are about 11 dimensions, most of them small and curled up. What, tiny dimensions? I know, it's hard to get your head around. Let's take another music analogy, first presented by Brian Greene. Think of a wind instrument, say a French horn. When the player changes the note, the actual shape of the instrument changes. This change in shape is what creates a different note. Oh, I think I get it now. Just like the French horn, the strings will vibrate differently based on the shape of these small dimensions. And so knowing the geometry is integral to knowing why different particles are created. Right, but there's still a lot to learn about these theoretical dimensions. In the 90s, Edward Witten showed how dimensions may exist mathematically. Someday, hopefully, we will have a greater understanding of their geometry. All of this is very theoretical. Have you ever seen a string? What's stopping string theory from being proven? Well, one of the biggest problems with string theory is that we can't test if it's true or not. Theories about gravity and electromagnetism make predictions about reality that we can measure, but string theory doesn't do this. But if the math is correct, then certainly the theory must be sound. It's tempting, but we can't be certain. Remember what happened with your own attempt? Yes, unified field theory. The math seemed to check out at first, but I realized that I wasn't accounting for quantum mechanics. My approach was built on a flawed assumption. Exactly. For now, assuming that the assumptions are true, the math holds up. But we don't know if that's the case. Perhaps there's something else that we aren't considering that could blow string theory out of the water. Then what's the purpose of string theory then? If we aren't sure that it's true and can't even prove it if it is? Well, that's the beauty of physics. We don't know if each new theory will be true and we may spend years or decades futilely trying to prove one, but those weren't wasted years. Each new theory, right or wrong, teaches us more about how the universe does and doesn't work, and brings us closer to uncovering a true unified theory. Oh wait, sir, I'm sorry, but our time machine juice is running low. We gotta go. Safe travels. All right, thank you for tuning in today. We have a few closing notes. First of all, we will have a new podcast next week. Be ready for some more fun with our new time machine. Second, Einstein has something he would like to tell you all. That's right, I'm starting my own podcast. 
it turns out that I love the format. It's called The Relativist, and you can find it wherever you stream your podcasts. Thank you, Einstein. And if you enjoyed this episode, head over to our Patreon now and show your support. Please, the time machine was not cheap. And if you're a Platinum subscriber, you get to decide what year we travel to next. See you next time. Wow, learning about the string theory from Einstein was a truly valuable experience. Next, another podcast is coming up. Hear from some of the world's leading experts on extra dimensions and extraterrestrials. Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of our seven-part series on the science of human origins, theory versus fact. I'm your host, Lee Muria. Today's topic is on ancient alien theory, extraterrestrials and extra dimensions, and we have a couple of distinguished guests here with us. First off is Dr. Khan Spiracy, prominent ancient astronaut theorist and doctor of anthropology, and Dr. Adam Bond, lead physicist at the world-renowned European Organization for Nuclear Research. Dr. Bond, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Lee. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Adam Bond. I'm honored to be included on this diverse panel of field experts who love exploring the mysteries of human origins just as much as I do. I have brought some exciting new information with me today. Up until now, physical phenomena that occurs in the fourth dimension has only existed as a theoretical concept. Today, I'm proud to share that we, in collaboration with a team of experts from the Max Planck Institute, have been able to successfully model and measure how materials would behave in a four-dimensional environment in our study called Photonic Topological Boundary Pumping as a Probe of 4D Quantum Hall Physics. Wow, that's a mouthful, but it sounds amazing. Tell us a little more. Well, the first step to understanding this discovery is becoming familiar with a couple ideas. In my thermal study, we are familiar with what is known as the 2D Hall effect, which describes how electrons move in a two-dimensional conductive material when exposed to a magnetic field. The original hypothesis of the study was to prove how this Hall effect would theoretically reappear in four-dimensional space. So what you're saying is that the Hall effect is basically how a magnetic field interacts with the flow of current through a conductor. And a conductor could be anything that allows an electron charge to flow freely like a thin sheet of metal. Is that right? Simply speaking, yes. And by using the 2D Hall effect as a foundation, we were able to fabricate a four-dimensional material by etching microscopic tubes into glass using a laser. And using this system, we can model what occurs in a four-dimensional space by analyzing the data that we receive in 3D. Now, let me explain that first. If you take a 3D object, like a Rubik's Cube, and shine a flashlight on it, it would project a shadow onto the 2D wall behind it. By analyzing the shadow as it moves, we can eventually realize that the shape creating the shadow is a cube. We can analyze data in 2D and correspond it to a phenomenon in 3D. We follow the similar process. By using complex mathematics, we were able to take the data gathered in 3D and model the 4D phenomenon that must have taken place to produce the data, therefore proving that the Hall effect would in fact reappear in four-dimensional space. Dr. Spiracy, you look like you want to weigh in. Uh, Yes, uh, thank you, Lee. Uh, I just want to tell Dr. Bond how exciting I find his research and how these scientific findings in many ways validate what ancient alien theorists have been saying all along. No, 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 Dr. Spiracy. I find the concept of ancient aliens to be quite an interesting topic. There are many things that simply cannot be explained, but anecdotal accounts currently lack substantial proof through definitive measure. I understand your skepticism, 
But what if I told you that extraterrestrials have been leaving us similar clues and shadows about the history of our existence? As you prove, science follows math and connecting observations to more complex phenomena using mathematical precision is the key part of ancient alien theory. Now that sounds fascinating, but I would like some evidence. There are many examples that could answer your question, but let's just look at the Pyramids of Giza. It has survived several millennia, and its design cannot be replicated using the tools that were known to have existed during that period in history. The mathematical precision involved appears not only in the structure itself, but in the planning of the entire Giza plateau. To mirror the layout of the constellation of Orion, El Leo, and the moment of sunrise on the scene, Equinox. It is clear advanced knowledge of astronomy, mathematics, and geography was necessary to construct the pyramid. Now, I do agree that the most important part of this discovery is that it opens the door for further exploration of higher dimensional activity that interacts with our own tangible reality. Or as Dr. Spears, you might interject, perhaps this discovery might simply revive the exploration of interdimensional activity that has been lost over millennia. And there you have it, folks. If you like what you heard and want to keep up with this and other interesting discussions, click the subscribe button below, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, hashtag AncientEvolve. Stay tuned. We will be right back after a short commercial break. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you think that the summer is getting hotter every year or that the air pollution is getting worse? Well, that's because of fossil fuels. Nearly 15 billion metric tons of fossil fuels are consumed worldwide every year. This is causing global warming, air pollution, and many of our problems. Here's the lucky news. We are introducing to you today a wonderful technology that can help us break through the situation, nuclear fusion. Now, we'll briefly explain how our technology works. Everything in the world is made up of small particles called atoms. The center of this atom is called the nucleus. Nuclear fusion is the process of creating one heavy nucleus from two lighter nuclei. This process produces a huge amount of energy. Imagine the sun. The sun is very bright and hot, but its large amount of energy is produced only by the fusion of hydrogen nuclei. Our technology already sounds amazing, but this is not just it. The best part is that fusion energy enables the rapid and complete replacement of all fossil fuel electricity in the world. In a study in 2015, Peace and Brook analyzed the data on large-scale nuclear power expansion over 30 years in Sweden and France to establish a mathematical model. Using this model, the researchers have shown that the global share of fossil fuel electricity could be completely replaced by nuclear power within 25 to 34 years. That's amazing. Remember the 1979 oil crisis? More than 40 years have passed since then. We're still dependent on fossil fuels. It's high time to take action. But we know that your citizens might not be too warm to the idea of fusion, but don't worry. You can trust funky fusion things to help get your constituents convinced in no time. After all, we're the world's leading fusion brand, so what's there not to trust? Firstly, researchers have shown that there's a new brand of fusion energy developing. What does that mean, you might ask? When a study by Turkani et al. in December 2020, they found that 21% of people are already referring to fusion as a method to eventually obtain unlimited clean energy. Yes, that means no relying on those pesky fossil fuels, and you'll help your country look so much greener. But one of your citizens might say, fusion is still so far away from the market. 
Well, they wouldn't be completely wrong if they were saying that, but lucky for you, Turkanu et al. also found that people who place a greater emphasis on the distance that fusion remained from the market also tended to have the most positive attitudes towards fusion. Even better, we're not even that far off from fusion. K-Star, a prototype fusion device made by scientists in Korea, is bringing the future of fusion closer to today. With the help of a Columbia professor, Dr. Zabag, K-Star was able to maintain a temperature of over 100 million degrees, which is needed for fusion, for over 20 seconds last year. Although that doesn't sound like long, we promise you, the future of fusion is ever approaching. But wait, you might ask again, what about those people who aren't that convinced about fusion? How might I convince them? Fortunately, the paper by Turkanu et al. addressed that very same issue. They found that the attitude that someone had towards nuclear energy and science slash technology was a great predictor of their attitudes toward nuclear fusion. Well, what does that mean then? If you want to bring forth a new brand of unlimited clean energy to your country, educational programs with STEM are the way to go. And for only $149.99, that's 50% off our normal price, you can buy our manual on how exactly to do it too. More nuclear energy education is crucial for a greater public acceptance of fusion. So if we have you hooked on fusion, then don't pass on this incredible offer either. Side effects of fusion energy may include cost of the $9 million unit disregarding upkeep, energy input being required to produce and sustain significant fusion reactions, exceeding the energy generated, nulling energy benefits, the energy input required to produce the temperatures of pressures that enable significant fusion reactions, hydrogenized systems are exceeding the fusion energy generated. This parasitic power drain can make it uneconomical to run a fusion power plant. Use a tritrium as a fuel not naturally found, leading to unavoidable power drains, drastically reducing the electric power available unless the fuel is able to be replenished by a generator. And finally, radioactive nuclear waste buildup. After five years of use in reactor, nuclear fuel spent, it must be replaced. At that point, waste is thermally hot and hazardous. It is recommended that nuclear Waste facilities like geologic rock stars are in place to store all waste buildup. When you permanent disposal, metric tons of radioactive waste will have to send nuclear plants to storage gas. Inside a few rods, which are bundled together to form fuel rod assemblies, and those assemblies can work together in nuclear power to produce heat to drive thermos and create extra energy. But without a permanent waste solution, these rods will continue to sit and begin to leak into the surrounding environment. But no worries, that could be a problem tomorrow. Call now at plus one two oh two five eight six five thousand to begin building your fusion energy parasite today. Buy two for the price of one and also receive a nuclear waste facility for free. Let's fuse our heads together and think fusion. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Tonight we are coming to you live from Einstein's Academy of Awards, the most prestigious scientific award ceremony for film in history. We are waiting anxiously on the winner of the category, Most Accurate Portrayal of Light Speeds. I'm joined here on the red carpet with some very special general relativity scholars, Jimin and Henry. You guys are really dressed for the occasion tonight. Who are you wearing? Hi, Saskia. It's great to be here. I'm here wearing a suit designed by Alexander McQueen. Hi, Saskia. It is great to be here. As you might already know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I wore my Han Solo vest and Chewbacca hat. Thank you to the designers for sponsoring this evening's episode. It's definitely a huge honor for any film to be nominated for this category. I think the fan favorite for most accurate portrayal of light speeds has to be Interstellar. Oh, no doubt, Jimin. Not only are they super popular, but their portrayal of the wormhole sets them apart from the other films they're up against. Wow, the wormhole. Not only an exciting aspect of the film that's integral to the plot, but also true to science. I know the cast members are getting nervous about this one. Matthew McConaughey has completely lost his usual calm demeanor. Does he look a little pale to you? I think we're all itching to see the winner. 
A few aspects of interstellar are certainly beyond any scientific knowledge we currently have. I know the first picture of a black hole wasn't taken until 2019. Did interstellar have any concrete evidence to go on in creating the wormhole? Absolutely. In fact, the visual effects team that worked on the movie published their entire study online in an article called Visualizing Interstellar's Wormhole. In their article, they explained the complicated multi-step process they had to go through to create what we see in the movie, and they also explained the numerous mathematical equations they had to use to correctly gauge the parameters of a wormhole that big. One big factor they had to calculate was the Schwarzschild metric, that is, how gravity would warp time and space around such an object, as well as how Einstein's theories of general relativity would affect the passage of light around the wormhole. Got it. So according to Einstein's general relativity, wormholes similar to the one in interstellar are possible. We just haven't run into any yet. I'd venture to say interstellar not only made the science community proud by doing their research and keeping their wormhole accurate, but also introduced its audience to some of the exciting potential implications of general relativity. Let's take a quick look at Star Wars, one of Interstellar's high-profile competitors in the light speeds category. Yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and even though I want to root for them, I can't help but admit the accuracy of the, the light speeds pale in comparison to Interstellar. Hyperspace in Star Wars is essentially a set of extra-dimensional, uh, a set of extra dimensions beyond the three we know. This allows for faster than light speed travel. So you're telling me if we pointed a laser directly at Alderaan at the same moment the Millennium Falcon jumped into hyperspace, the Millennium Falcon would arrive before the laser beam reached Alderaan? Exactly. Because of hyperspace, the Millennium Falcon could fly faster than light past Alderaan as it explodes and arrive at the Death Star in time to stop the weapon from firing in the first place. Okay, so it seems Star Wars may be a little heavy on the fiction of science fiction. Yeah, Star Wars doesn't get into the scientific side of its tr space travel the way Interstellar does, but it's possible wormholes could explain hyperspace travel or other theories on the way the universe is connected at a subatomic level, like string theory. Makes sense. Many of the things we see in space and time travel movies rely on the existence of a fourth dimension. I know some physicists have used math equations calculating gas pressure to successfully confirm the possibility of a fourth dimension. We certainly haven't identified one yet, though. Right. And Interstellar explores the fourth dimension, too. Very true. I'm thinking that even though Interstellar takes some liberty in exploring the fourth dimension... Oh, it's just in. Sorry to interrupt, Henry. Interstellar has one most accurate portrayal of light speeds. I can't say I'm surprised. I doubt this will be the only award they take home tonight, but it's certainly one of the most legendary. Mr. McConaughey is finally looking back to his usual state of calm, cool, and collected. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and be sure to check out our website for details on our independent film contest for the chance to have your very own film nominated for the next Einstein's Academy of Awards. See you next week. That was a great awards ceremony. In fact, we have been learning about physics since childhood without even realizing. Fascinating, right? Unfortunately, however, we are running out of time. Before we go, let's welcome Professor Green back to teach us about special relativity in depth. Hello and welcome. Today's episode is I'm a clock, you're a clock, and we are all clocks. Thank you for joining our weekly podcast, High School Physics. Today we have an exciting episode for you on special relativity. I would like to welcome to the show our very special guest, Brian Green. Professor Green is a physicist, mathematician, and string theorist. Green was a physics professor at Cornell University from 1990 to 1995, 
and has been a professor at Columbia's University since 96 and chairman of the World Science Festival since co-founding it in 2008. Today's high school guest is Maddie from Porter High School. Let's welcome Maddie. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show today. I'm really excited to be here. Maddie, do you know who Albert Einstein is? Not really. I'm also not that knowledgeable about physics. That's okay. I'm not sure there's anyone in the world who knows about Einstein more than Professor Green, so he will share a little bit about him and his most famous theory to us all. Well, Matt, Albert Einstein was a German-born physicist who developed the special and general theories of relativity. He's also won a Nobel Prize, but today we will focus on his theory of special relativity. Central to relativity is that nothing is faster than the speed of light, a whopping 186,000 miles per second. You could circle the Earth seven and a half times in one second. Now that's fast. Relativity in physics is the relationship between space and time. Special relativity theory explains that two people can experience the same thing and agree it happened, but have different perspectives on points like when it exactly happened or how long it took the event to happen. It's called special because it applies only to special cases where the frames of reference are constantly in an unchanging motion. So absolutely nothing's faster than the speed of light. No, and remember, the speed of light is constant. It can't go any faster or slower. I'm not completely clear how special relativity works. Somebody has to be right. It isn't possible for two people to have different experiences of the exact same event. Professor Green, in your book, The Elegant Universe, I read your now famous treaty signing analogy. Would you mind sharing that analogy with our listeners? Sure. Imagine two countries that have been at war would like to sign a treaty and their delegates decide to meet on a train to do so. Neither delegate trusts the other and wants to ensure the treaty is signed simultaneously. They decide to position a light bulb in between them so that the distance between the light and each delegate is equal. When the bulb lights up, that signals them both to sign the treaty. Once the treaty is signed, everyone on the train erupts in celebration, but they are perplexed to discover that fighting has broken out between the two countries due to the belief that the delegate from Forwardland, who is facing the direction the train is traveling, was tricked into signing the treaty before the delegate from Backwardland, whose back is facing the way the train is traveling. Why would they break out into fight? The light reached both delegates at the same time. The people on the platform are clearly wrong. From the perspective of those on the train, the light reached both delegates at the same time. But from the perspective of those standing on the platform, the light reached the delegate from forward land first because it looks like he is moving towards the light and the delegate from backward land last since it looks like the light is traveling furthest to reach him. That's amazing. This example goes to show that I can't always assume what I see is what someone else sees. It is important to remember that perspective matters. And time is relative. It is relative to your frame of reference, like the two different frames of reference we saw in the peace treaty analogy. It is safe to say we are all our own individual clocks. Just because we observe events differently than someone else doesn't mean you are wrong. It's simply physics. I didn't realize how much I experienced physics in my everyday life. Just last week, my dad was on the lake on a speedboat when I saw lightning in the sky. Suddenly, lightning struck at both sides of his boat at the same time. When he came in, he said he hurried back as soon as lightning hit the south side of the boat and a moment later hit the north side of the boat. I told him lightning hit both sides of the boat at the same time. He told me I was mistaken and he would know since he was on the boat. I felt I was right because I could see the whole thing from the dock. I guess what we saw was right from our, both our perspectives. You're right. Special relativity explains yours and your father's experience of the same event. Professor Green, Clifford Will says in the confrontation between general relativity experiment that Quote, special relativity has been thoroughly integrated into the fabric of modern physics that its validity is rarely challenged, except by cranks and crackpots. Do you agree? 
I won't say there are cranks or crackpots for challenging a theory. I will say experiments have been conducted all around the world on special relativity, and it continues to be a proven theory. Finding violations of the theory may never happen, but I do believe in the importance of experiments. Thank you, Professor Green, for joining us today. It is an honor to have you here. Maddie, would you do the honors of sharing where our listeners can follow us? To learn more about special relativity or other physics topics, you can follow the IG page, special underscore relativity. And you can share the podcast, IG handle, or web address, specialrelativity.com with your friends. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm signing up now. So this concludes our podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. Have a wonderful day, and see you soon.